<laughs> I want Christopher Walken. Night Podcast, the podcast about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, or under our tables. We're talking tabletop games, board games, some people will call them. I'm Alan Girding, and with me is the sizzle to my steak. I don't know. I have Sean with me. Hey. <laughs> We're going to have a interesting episode because Gen Con's coming up. I'm hoping that we'll get to talk about our business. I went to D.C. recently and saw B-Team Will Anderson there. Also, what are we doing to prepare for Gen Con? What's going to happen at the live Gen Con podcast? What about you, Sean? Well, I always like to hear what games we're talking about. I've been using this new, um, it's not new, it's old, but this board game stats app that a lot of people out there are probably using to track the way I've been playing games. But yeah, I want I want people to know what's going to go down at Gen Con. I think that's important, especially if you're a fan of this podcast, because it's the way that we get to know you guys personally. And the people that show up are obviously our biggest fans because they paid all that money to go to Gen Con and then none of that money to see us live. They get to dictate the future direction of the show. I have something that I want to jump into right away. Have you heard of this whole... Uh Sarah uh craze is that how you pronounce it Sarah uh spell it for me it's s a r a h which is how you spell Sarah mm-hmm. and then another a h I haven't heard of this you haven't heard about this I have not it's trending on Snapchat and Facebook everywhere it's this anonymous app that you can install oh, or go to yeah and people can leave you anonymous messages in fact if you're listening to this and you want to leave me a message completely anonymously anonymous anonymously then that was my john travolta anonymously christopher walken that <laughs> no that's not christopher walken christopher walken has more rasp in his voice anonymously Anyway, I'm alangirding.sarah.com. It's like Sahara, but different. Yeah, alangirding.sahara.com. Yeah, it's S-A-R-A-H-A-H. And Alan Girding is A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. If you want to leave me an anonymous little constructive criticism or compliment or something like that, you can let me know. Sheesh. I do remember seeing that all over the place. I saw you do it, and then I saw a bunch of other people do it. I've got opinions about it. What 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 happened with you? Did you get any special feedback? Sure, I got one message. So felt you got one <laughs> felt message. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah, and it said, "I can't wait to spoon you at Gen Con." By the way, you'll never guess who this is. So of course, I know exactly who it is. It's be- Ben Canellis. Oh, I thought it was Justin. <laughs> But didn't Ben specifically request to, to share a bed with you? Yes. So at Gen Con, our volunteer and designer who has Red Scare coming out at Gen Con, really exciting for Ben. But Ben is volunteering for us and he specifically requested he sleeps with me and nobody else. You can cut this next part out if you want. But is that because he's just such a weenie and can't hack like sleeping in beds with other people and or sleeping on the floor or whatever? Is he the one you stepped on last year? 
Yeah, of course. That is the gentleman. He was at our last year live recording and we told the story of, who are you? Who are you? Because he thought I was a giant spider when he was sleeping on the floor. Yeah, so it's the same Ben. I won't cut that out because he absolutely chose to sleep with me because apparently I sleep like a statue and don't really move. And he, as you said, is a weenie (laughs) that... can't sleep with anyone who moves or snores or does whatever. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so I was thinking it was Ben, but you think it's our other volunteer. No, you're you're totally right. It's Ben. You're it's got to be Ben. But just in in the like inappropriate comments for no reason. Yes. For the uninitiated, Justin Erdman is another one of our volunteers that volunteers at most of our shows. And he, as Sean has said, has a propensity to say inappropriate things. Hmm. But anyways, all of this just to talk about Sarah. Uh, so what are your opinions? Well, they're pretty dark. I see it a lot. What I feel about it is it reminded me of the sort of old days of the internet, like AOL Instant Messenger times. It in some ways seems like a either cry for help or cry for attention or like a way to get validation, right? Like you're hoping somebody will say like, oh, I have a crush on you and you're so great, but I would never tell you in person. And the vast overwhelming amount of people did it, right? I'm certain that you weren't like the first person to discover this. You had maybe seen somebody else do it as well. I was reading people's messages and I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. For instance, Jamie Bucha is a regular attendee at conventions. So she's in our convention family. She was talking about how she doesn't understand why people are asking for an anonymous feedback and I had to ask what the hell are you talking about what is this is this an app or something so then I looked at JR Honeycutt and he had been doing it and he had been posting and so I realized oh I said why not anonymous feedback but keep on going you're saying the most horrible people in the world that are on the brink of self-destruction are the ones that would use this that's what I'm hearing it's you a say? cynical thing for sure I personally tend to trust like very specific feedback from people I have an intimate relationship with either my significant other, my girlfriend, um, or, you know, really close friends like you rather than oh, thanks. like mm. anonymous feedback from people who don't know me or don't know the context. I like anonymous feedback for things like products for like games or customer service experiences, that kind of stuff. The vast majority You know, I'd see a lot of people be like, well, I guess I'm going to do this too. If you have something you want to say to me anonymously, you know, let me know here. And I was like, man, this sounds like only a recipe for disaster. The best case scenario is like somebody tells you something that no one in the world has told you. Like you have an arm growing out of your head, right? Just everyone's been avoiding letting you know that and you can fix it, right? But the worst case scenario is somebody points out something that is either accurate or inaccurate and, and deeply hurtful to hear, right? It's just, it's a very vulnerable thing, but I see the appeal. Right. So two things for me, and one of them echoes exactly what you just said. I've always had this fear that there's something wrong with me that everybody knows, but no one has been brave enough to tell me. Plus, I'm in a very specific place in my life right now where I really value honest feedback. Even if I disagree with it, even if it's shitty or whatever, I don't want to say I have really thick skin, but this leads into my second point. And this is going to sound very social justice warrior-ish. This app is such a sign of privilege. I'll just say white male approaching middle age. I have, I don't want to say the iron skin like I'm invulnerable, but I'm in a place where I'm not afraid of people harassing me or threatening my life or just saying I'm the biggest piece of shit ever because it's okay. But if I was, for instance, a female 
or maybe some other demographic that has a history of harassment. It's just like, hey, yep, I'm probably going to get some racist bullcrap or some type of creep just totally saying really crude things to me. So I think the two things are, I'm in a place for this, and that is a sign of my privilege, which is number two. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, you can take the knocks because it's not every day of your life that people are giving you unsolicited, unwanted feedback, which you might be getting if you were in a different situation. People might be saying, oh, you wear too much makeup. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, I wear exactly as much makeup as I want to wear, and I don't really care what you think about that, (laughs) right? Like... Put a pin in it because I don't want to lose you, but I was just hanging out at Washington, D.C. with B-Team Will, and out of nowhere, he says, you know, the secret to preventing wrinkles is moisturizer. I put a lot of moisturizer on my face. I was like, why are you talking about this? Because I'm a gay man giving you a straight dude some tips, man. You look (laughs) way older than your age. Start using moisturizer. God, Alan. But I just really appreciate it. Like, oh, cool. Thanks, moisturizer. Unfortunately, I went online and totally did some lit searches on any empirical evidence that moisturizer prevents wrinkles. There's none. There's none that moisturizer does not prevent wrinkles. I'm proud of my wrinkles because I get them from smiling all the goddamn time. But I appreciate it, Will. So thank you. I don't have any empirical evidence. The only thing I've heard is that uh, sunscreen is helpful. If you put sunscreen on every day, that's Oh, that's a different story. Yeah. Totally different story. A lot of empirical evidence that, yeah. So he might want to do that. Will. (laughs) Will looks great for his age, man. I I mean, I kind of took it to heart because I looked at him like, man, you're older than me and I don't see any wrinkles. So yeah, he's doing it right. But yeah, Will's a great looking guy. Yeah. But sunscreen, sunscreen. Absolutely. In fact, there's that Boz Lawman song. Wear sunscreen. Boz Lurman. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 97. Wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. You and I talked about this. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I knew it because Chris Rock did a riff on it that was like... There's no sex in the champagne room. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen of the GED class of 1999, I have one piece of advice for you. No matter what a stripper tells you, there's no sex in the champagne room. And that's that's what I knew it as. And you're like, no, that's that's a riff on another thing that I had never heard. That was like, wear sunscreen, no matter what a stripper tells you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there is empirical evidence of sunscreen. But anyway. So you didn't get any valuable feedback. You got got nothing. Nobody wanted to be anonymous. No, which I didn't really promote it too much. I just did one tweet that just said, anonymous feedback, why not? I didn't say, could all of you who ever felt any feelings for me one way or the other, please validate my existence by leaving a message or whatnot? (laughs) <laughs> you already get like you get rate my professor feedback right oh, yeah, I do. you get feedback on kickstarter all the time i mean whether it's warranted or not yeah 
I think that's, a again, the experience is I'm really experienced with hearing people say that I should die. <laughs> I think I'm in a comfortable enough place where I can laugh at that. Unless you actually support it with photographs of my daily routine of me getting out of my bathroom and you holding a knife in the shadows wearing a mask. I'm okay. Like, I don't think you're serious here. And it's always tough because it's like, to whose benefit? I would say a good 80% of feedback is personal preference. And then there's maybe like... 10% that could be good feedback depending on how you want to live your life. <laughs> like this is a this is a behavior that will affect all your relationships with everybody. But, you know, you know from being in long-term relationships that a lot of feedback is preferential. Like could you let the dogs out more often or could you be more proactive about fixing this. There are plenty of people who don't care if I like work out or not, but I need to work out. Both my girlfriend wants me to, and it's good for me. But a lot of that's preference. And so you open yourself up to like, how much of this do I need to change? And how much of this is just like, if you don't mind, I wish you uh, paid for dinner more. We should get down to business. We don't have that many tickets left to our live Gen Con podcast where SBJ will be joining us. And I am confident that we will have sold out tickets because you can get tickets the same day at the show and they're free. So I'm pretty sure with that in mind and us being at the show and saying, what are you doing on Saturday at six o'clock? Come on down to the live podcast. It'll be a full house. Did you say how many we have left? As of right now, 35. Oh, so it's it's pretty close to sold out. That's, you know, 75% gone or 65% gone, right? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's going to be packed. And if we haven't reminded you, please get a ticket, even though it's free and you could just show up. The tickets help us verify to Gen Con that we had as many people as we claim to have. And that's how they give us bigger space or preferential treatment and selection of space is when we can prove that we had as many people as we said we have, which only comes with tickets. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to talk about, but we'll probably be talking about our Gen Con experience thus far and how the hell am I going to give away so many of these games because I want everyone who shows up to leave with something special in their hands, not just in their hearts. Yeah. Speaking of other business, did you catch that Game of Thrones episode? I did indeed. And now, Sean and Alan talk about this week's episode of Game of Thrones. Well, right? Pretty good stuff. I liked it. Speaking of Game of Thrones, let's talk about games! Boo. <laughs> Sean, you've played some games. What games have you played? So, as you and I have talked a lot about what games hit our shelves often, I play some new games every year at conventions and, and usually when I'm hanging out with you. But throughout the year, I try to really play games that always are a hit over and over and over again. I don't want to risk a tentative, this might be a fun game session with like, let's try out Terraforming Mars. Maybe that'll be fun. I want to go to my mainstays and also like... I want to get to know games deeper. I don't want to have that surface level connection with a game. I want to have played a game over and over and over again and really learn it inside and out. So the games that hit my table a lot are, you know, Plato 3000, Sushi Go, Insider. Lindsay and I were in Florida this last week and we were hanging out at the beach and an old friend of mine from college was there. So we stayed with him and his girlfriend and they're into board games. They have like Big Trouble in Little China, Blood Rage, some of these games. So I brought with me Plato 3000, Insider, and Sushi Go because they pack up really easily. And Sushi Go and Insider are super durable. I'm never worried about them in my luggage, right? And we went to a bar and we played Insider, I don't know, six or seven times and they just loved that. Um, and then the next night over dinner, 
we played Sushi Go a bunch of times. And I was thinking like, man, this is not great podcasting material because it's games that we've played and we've talked about on the show. But as an experience, I'm realizing like there are a lot of games I could get rid of and I could keep these games and they would always be fun. They're just a fun thing to do. This is sort of something for a longer topic. There, there are two parts of this hobby. One of them is trying new games and one of them is just enjoying the games you have. Like we've included this consumerist part of the board game hobby as acquiring the games, right? Oh, I bought so many games at Gen Con or look at my Gen Con haul. That's always a really trending picture on social media is like the Gen Con haul, all the games you bought at Gen Con. But for some reason, my experience with board games as a kid in my family is you have your mainstays, the games that are always fun to play. And it's like, yeah, we should play that. That game's a lot of fun. I'm not saying that people who buy a lot of games also don't play a lot of games, but they're two different aspects of the community that are sometimes at odds, right? Because the more games you buy, the less percentage of your games you're going to play. And you know this better than anyone else. To keep an eye on that, I got this board game stats app, which is a cool little app where I can track like players who won, what their highest score was. Is that what it's actually called? Let's plug it. It's actually called Board Game Stats, and it's a tiny little paid app. I saw Chris Bryan from Board with Life using it, and it'll kick out. Like I'm on my main page right now, and it'll say the last game I played was Sushi Go on July 30th. I've played Insider five times the last 30 days, Sushi Go twice, and Secret Hitler once. It'll tell me I play more often on Saturday. Wait, Sean, before you go on, how about you elevator pitch this app? Sure. You need a character. All right, you're a surfer dude from the valley. All right, cool. Summon your inner Keanu Reeves. Summon your Sean Penn from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You have a minute to pitch this app. Are you ready, sir? I am. Surf's up, dudes. You want the chillest, coolest app for, uh, like, tracking your games and stuff, bras? Well, you need to check out Board Game Stats and ride that wave, man. It's uh, super easy to use and super cheap because I'm strapped for cash with my taco sales and stuff. Um, you can track all your games. This accent is getting weird. <laughs> Uh, you can totally chill out and track your games with your friends, brah. It's super easy to do. You get cool stuff like what day of the week you play the most and what number of players you normally chill with, man. Uh, it's just super cool, super easy. You get statistics, which I know you love because you've been riding them waves all day. Whew, this is a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough because I got plenty of questions. Hit me. Here's the big question. Does it sync up with your Board Game Geek account? Yeah, you can add your Board Game Geek account, other people's Board Game Geek accounts. I don't know if it syncs the stats up, but you pull in games from Board Game Geek. You can like add a game and pull it in from Board Game Geek. So I don't know exactly how the syncing works. Okay. How much is it? I think it's like two ninety nine. Okay. It's mostly useful for me because I'm a huge stats guy. Like I have a little budget app. I've got like a calorie tracking app. So it's fun for me to track that stuff. You have a game that's your favorite in your head, and then you have a game that you play the most. And so it's kind of like looking back on that and being like, well, I tell people my favorite movie is, you know, Blade Runner, but the movie I've seen the most is High Fidelity. (laughs) That kind of aspect to it, which I really enjoy. You want to know if you're actually practicing what you preach. Yeah. And I I track playtests of my unpublished games in there and just, you know, some very basic stuff. Is there room to leave notes? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Well, that's really important then for playtesting. It's even got some weird stuff I'm realizing, like challenges. You can buy a challenges expansion for 99 cents, and it'll say, like, play these games, or, like, can you play this game this many times within a month? It says who you play games the most with. Oh, wow. That sort of stuff. And it even keeps track of, like, scores. So, like, for Lindsay and I, we play a lot of Play to 3000. It'll track, like, what the highest score was and what your personal best is. Oh, this is the highest score you've ever had. So I'm already sold on this, but here's the big question. If you're saying there's microtransactions, that's a little bit of a turnoff, but I'm also interested if it's specific where it says like, hey, we see you own this game, you should play it so many times, or in this challenge pack, it's the Blood Rage challenge pack. How do we get into that? How do we get them to say, hey, play more games of World Championship Russian Roulette? Do you think there's a way we can contact these app developers and have them develop a challenge for our games? It's all self-imposed. So you select the game you want to track, say like, I want to play this many games in this amount of time, then you view like your progress, right? So we could just do win-lose banana and just play that a crap ton. You know, one game of that doesn't take very long and we could just meet the challenges. Well, the challenge would be like, I want to play Blood Rage 10 times this month. It's like self-imposed. It's Mm self-imposed. Okay, you set the limits. Interesting. Interesting stuff, sir. So you played Insider, and that's the one you've played a lot, but have you played with the Werewolf? I haven't played any of the the Werewords cards games. Yeah, because I think that's something we haven't talked about is the Insider versus Werewords controversy. Oh... I don't think we've talked about it on the air, but we've definitely talked about it off the air. Oh, yeah. All I'll say about it right now is when I heard Ted Allspock was coming out with Werewords and we had played Insider, we thought, man, this sounds exactly like Insider, but with more roles. How could you werewolf theme this? But I do recommend buying one of those. I honestly haven't played Werewords yet, (laughs) but they're very similar. But they're also different. Reading both sides of the story because, you know, I I think Oint Games put out a statement and then Ted responded. Then they responded to his response. And I don't know if he responded to their response. Yeah, Oint Games made Insider and Ted Allspec from Bezier Games made Werewords. Yeah. But I, I tend to believe Ted's summary of events. Like, he's always been a stand-up guy. And I think it's reasonable that you would say, I was working on a game that was similar to this. Your game came out. I reached out to you for an opportunity. You said no. I said, cool, I'll make my game anyway. And then you said, like, no, it's unfair. Yeah, Oink Games' side of the story is, hey, your game is way too much like ours. You stole it from us. But Ted's story is he reached out to Oink Games saying, hey, this game you just released is very similar to a game that I am about to release. So I'd love to license the American version of Insider and retheme it, similar to what he did for One Night Ultimate Werewolf, because he contacted the designer of One Night Werewolf and did the exact same thing. And that's where he got One Night Ultimate Werewolf from. I definitely think it's okay to be upset. It both has happened and is going to continue happening the games we are developing or come out with other people come out with games that are in the same space right or similar or share mechanics and that's just a part of the life right yeah i feel like if you're a game designer anywhere you should be aware that one you're just not a genius like the things you're working on it's foolish to think that you were working on them in a vacuum you were already leaning on the shoulders of some other game some other mechanic i would say the vast majority of game ideas that alan and i come up with are 
looking at games that didn't work and seeing how they could be fixed, saying this game was almost good enough, what could have been done to get it over the edge? And I think you could say like, oh, well, you should contact that game designer and and publish the game, but that's just not how it works, right? Like, that's not... Yeah. If you saw Die Hard and said Die Hard's boring, but what if we added jokes to it? You don't all of a sudden owe Die Hard money, right? (laughs) No, even when we made Two Rooms in a Boom, we said we want to make a werewolf without elimination that is timed. Mm Mm-hmm. No moderator, yeah, exactly. I thought they might have had a legitimate beef at first, but then when I read through all the complaints, I was like, no, this just sounds like working in the board game industry. That's disappointing. I will both defend and offend Ted. So I will defend Ted in that, yes, he had every right to. I think there's no legal case there. There is definitely enough differences between insider and werewords as there is between Dominion and Thunderstone. So it's a genre. Here's the offense I would say to Ted. I wouldn't have done it. I just wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it. And that doesn't mean I'm holier than thou or anything. It's probably why I don't make a crap ton of money in this industry either, is that I've had so many designs where another game came out and I was like, well, Not doing that game anymore. It's too similar. And you've actually tried to talk me down from some of that. For instance, Hansi, I thought, ah, too similar to Happy Salmon. But everyone says, no, 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 they're different enough, man. Keep going with Hansi. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some of it, not saying for you, but some of it is like a ego thing, right? Where we don't want the comparison constantly, where we don't want to have to say like, no, I've been working on this game for five years. Yes, I know that game's out. Yes, I know they're similar. It's difficult to parse that, right? Or to have to answer that question all the time at conventions. So a lot of times it's a decision made for the sake of convenience. Absolutely. Speaking of convenience, Sean, I hate to inconvenience you, but I think we're out of time. So we need to wrap this show up. It's never inconvenient to me to stop recording this podcast. (laughs) Son of a gun. But here's what I need you to do. And by you, I mean you listening to this, the knave or the knight that's listening to this. We want to give you advice on whatever's going on in your life. Ideally, it's board game stuff. But if it's not, hey, we'll help you out with your marriage or advice on how to get a mover, whatever. I don't think you should trust any advice we give you. If you have any questions or concerns, you should email us. But most importantly, if you are a knave and you want to be knighted, by golly, send in your knave to knight submission. A story about you and board gaming that's fewer than 10 minutes. And the way you do that is you send an email... To this email address, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. If you want to follow the show, follow us on Twitter. We're at PlayTKG. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. You can find me on the Facebook and on the Twitters. What about you, Shawnee boy? You can find me on Twitter at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Oh, and by the way, you should probably check out our website, too. We got a whole bunch of free print and play games you can do there, too. And hopefully we'll see you at the live podcast recording at Gen Con. I think with that being said, this episode is... Finished, dudes. (laughs) 